the Fantasy Football Welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. I am Mike Hume. Hi, I'm Des Beeler, and if this podcast accomplishes nothing else, I hope it gives listeners a solid half-hour break from interacting with family members over Thanksgiving. Amen. I am Scott Allen, and I am thankful that Bill's coach, Sean McDermott, finally came to his senses and decided to start Tyrod Taylor over Nathan Peterman this week. Yeah, t- tough call by him. Yeah, that was really sketchy there for he a second. He thought it would be the right thing to do, I think. <laughs> Well, it is Thanksgiving week, so let me just be the first to say up front, to all our listeners out there, thank you. To all those who took the time to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, and whatnot, thank you, thank you, and thanks even more for making so many of those reviews five-star ratings. Your help is very much appreciated. This is a total labor of love for us. Des comes in early every Wednesday to record this and then stays late to uh, edit it and produce it. Same with Scott on Sundays. So thank you on behalf of our listeners to the two of them as well. I guess thanks to Jeff, even though he ditched us this week. Yeah, that just means we get more of Scott, and that's always a good thing. So enough for the warm, fuzzy stuff. Let's get to it. Week 12 is here. It's Thanksgiving week. Let's start with the big idea. The big idea. Get him off your team. Drop him now. He could be the surprise of the 2017 season. That guy is a walking ACL team. Oh, yeah. He's a major sleeper. All right, guys. The big idea this week is we are through the bye weeks. Hey. That, that big enough for you? <laughs> news, news <laughs> All right. Next segment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, f- yeah. Finally, the, the bye weeks are, are over with. We don't have to worry about filling in for our guys if, as long as they're healthy. We don't have to plan ahead like, oh, maybe I need to pick up this dude for so that two weeks from now I may get some use out of him. <laughs> so then the question becomes, how do you know? How does that? Ref- how should we reflect that in our fantasy strategy going forward? You know, and I just think there are a couple of ways to approach your rosters now that we're through the bye weeks. Uh, the biggest one being just to get rid of those fringe guys, yeah. guys you keep around. You might right. need them in a pinch. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying get rid of all your non-starters of your team. You still have to fill out your roster, and obviously there's something to be said for having. Backups uh, available in case of emergency. Maybe the, the you know on ga- da- game day, some guy like tweaks his ankle in warmups. Obviously, you need players, extra players on your roster. But there are just some fringe players that maybe you've kept around because you needed some help through the bye weeks, or you're hoping they were pan out and they just haven't. So, I'm suggesting that you might drop some of those fringe players for some other roster elements, and we'll go through some of those ideas in just a moment. So, I'm just just to throw out some examples of players I think are droppable at this point. Um, those, you know, I'm, let's go with some running backs to start with. I'm going to throw out some names. Giovanni Bernard uh, has done almost nothing this season. Yep. Droppable. Uh, unless you're the Joe Mixon owner, and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Darren McFadden, clearly droppable, right? Not doing anything. Buck Allen, uh, Danny Woodhead's back. Doesn't look like he's going to have much of a role. Mike Gillisley has, so, at the moment, is droppable. Yeah. You know, knowing yeah, yeah, knows. back. <laughs> right. Uh, then to get to some wide receivers that I think are just... You know, you could drop if you wanted to. Tyler Lockett, it just you know, doesn't seem to be happening for him. Martavis Bryant, same thing. Mm-hmm. Jermaine Curse, uh, Eric Decker, not a lot of upside yeah, with win- him. Witness protection program for him. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying you have to drop these guys, but they're the kinds of players. I'm just giving you an idea of the kinds of players that I think are expendable at this point now that we're through the bye weeks. And so who are you going to pick up in place of those players? I think my first suggestion is to handcuff uh, your, running, your top running back. You know, I think we all understand, like, the concept of, of handcuffs. Yeah. Um, and basically, in, in this idea is that as we're getting late in the season, especially if you're going to hit the fantasy playoffs, you want to sort of 
buy that level of insurance for your roster. You know, if you've come this far, it's because you have probably have a couple running backs who've done really well for you. And the idea with handcuffs, of course, is you you don't just always, you don't just necessarily grab like any running back who's next on the depth chart behind your guy. It has to be a player that you think if your top running back goes down, the backup will come in and have a big role and an offense that can support that role. So, you know, there's some situations where it's just a little hard to tell what's going on behind the top guy. But I've identified some handcuffs who don't have high percentage ownership, at least in ESPN leagues, I think should be on rosters right now. Uh, in no particular order, I would start with Le'Veon Bell, um, owners who need, need to pick up James Conner. Yeah. He's, he's only owned in 3.9% of leagues in, in ESPN leagues, which I think is lunacy because obviously Le'Veon Bell is 100% owned. And that's a guy that if Bell goes down, and by the way, Bell's usage has been off the charts. I mean, yep. He's getting like over 90% of the running back touches there, which is great, except, you know, every time he, it just, I think it does increase his chances of possibly getting injured. Sure. Uh, so Connor's a guy, right. Um, Melvin Gordon owners should definitely pick up Austin Eckler. Yeah, that's, that's a lock. He's someone, you know, he should be picked up in leagues anyway, but his yeah. ownership percentage, and, and granted, I made these, uh, I made, I got these numbers yesterday, so some waivers have passed. So maybe the percentages have gone up in some cases, like an Eckler, who's been pretty decent the past two weeks. But I think if Melvin Gordon went down, and by the way, he's a guy who has not finished either of his first two seasons in the NFL. He's, you know, he's had injuries. He's already been nicked up a little bit. I think, you know, you can expect great production from him. Uh, if you have Leonard Fournette, he's been a workhorse. This one's a little bit tricky because there's Chris Ivory and there's T.J. Yeldon, right. and then pass. And last week we saw Yeldon actually get a lot more snaps than Ivory. I would. Go with Ivory, I think, I th- because I think Yeldon is more of a complimentary player. I think mm-hmm. if Fournette went down, you know, and the Jags knew they were going to enter a game without him, I think Ivory would get a lot of work. He's sort of the, the bigger back there. Um, and then this is odd. Marlon Mack is only owned in 22.8% of ESPN leagues. That seems low. Yeah, Ageless I, Frank Gore exactly. continues like, to chug along, though. He does, exactly. Frank Gore never gets hurt. He fends off all challenges. But I think Mack is someone who should be owned as a speculative play in a lot of leagues anyway. But if you're the Frank Gore owner, uh, you should definitely pick him up. Um, Kareem Hunt owners should pick up Sharkhandrick West. Uh, Carlos Hyde owners should pick up Matt Breida. And, and that's a player whose name has been sort of bandied about during the season. But he, he clearly has taken a backseat to Carlos Hyde, but I think would be very good in fantasy if he were to get the top job. And the last name I'll throw out there uh, is Mike Tolbert for LaShawn McCoy owners. I mean, M- Tolbert's nowhere near the talent that McCoy is. To say the but, least. But, you know, the Bills, as we know, love to run the ball. They just got Tyrod back, hopefully. And so... You know, I think Tolbert would, would stand to get a lot of work there. Nathan Peterman, not on your list, Des. I thought I find that <laughs> notable. Uh, Scott, what, what strategies do you like to employ as far as uh, when the expiration uh, date of bye weeks happens? Yeah, I'm kind of with Des, and maybe you guys saw the same thing in your leagues this week, but the waiver wire was a lot quieter than it has been. And some of that may be due to the attrition of teams that are no longer in the playoff hunt, but also it's just it's not as obvious what to do, what your needs are, because there, like Des says, there are no more bye weeks. For me, and it's dictated a lot by where my standing is in the league, if I'm cruising into the playoffs or if I'm fighting for a spot. Um, But for me, some of my attention honestly starts to turn to the next bye weeks. And I'm talking first round buys in the playoffs and some concern about teams. And there aren't many this year. They're kind of rolling away from the competition. The Eagles may be the only example in the NFC at nine and one. Mm -hmm. Teams that may be considering resting starters um, come fantasy playoff time, which anywhere from week 14 to 17. Um, if I have a QB, say Carson Wentz on the Eagles or even Jay Ajayi, some of the other key contributors, I'm looking for potential uh, pickups for, for them. You know, maybe the backup gets more action. Maybe LeGarrette Blunt becomes relevant again if they decide to rest those guys, which is another reason the Steelers and the AFC um, 
Le'Veon Bell, yeah, the workload has been great, but if the Steelers are, you know, ten and two, twelve and two heading into that into that week fifteen matchup, maybe James Conner is is another guy to have. With me, I also look to streaming defenses, mm-hmm. um, getting a jump. Des mentioned Darren McFadden as a fringe guy to drop. I just dropped Darren McFadden for the Buffalo Bills, who don't have a good matchup for two weeks. But for my league that I'm in the running in, that's that's the first week of the playoffs, and they play the Colts. There you um, go. So you can look that far ahead in some cases too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, absolutely. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. Uh, no, I, w- I was going to uh, pick up on the, the defensive threat as well. Mm-hmm. So I actually just made a couple moves. Uh, the Panthers get the Packers and Brett Hundley, who has been anything but spectacular, and then the Bucks, both at home. I think that's a pretty yeah. good defense to target for weeks 15 and 16. And the Ravens might be the best defense of all. You're probably not going to get them. I feel like they're owned in a lot of leagues. But if you can somehow trade for them, they get the Browns and then the Colts at home. I think that's uh, another team that you're going to want, on, or another defense you're going to want on your team come playoff time. Yeah, teams should the Ravens should be owned in 100 percent of leagues already because they've just been fantastic. I think they yeah. pitched three shutouts, including just last week. So against but, the Packers. But yeah, I think you know normally you would you wouldn't want to keep a defense through its own bye week. You don't want to keep more than one defense. But this is what kind of what we're talking about. Like as you're going right. to the fantasy playoffs, I think it is worth targeting weeks where you have certain good matchups, and it is worth keeping two defenses. So for instance. If you if you have the Panthers defense and they've been pretty good in Week 14 they get the Vikings that's that's an offense that doesn't allow a lot of fancy points to defenses a team with a good matchup that probably is available in a lot of leagues in Week 14 uh, uh, Scott mentioned the Bills they got the Colts that's a good one the Packers they have the Browns mm-hmm. yeah you know I mean you you always want to stream a defense against the Browns yep uh, likewise <laughs> in, in Week 15 if you have the Steelers defense well they're playing the Patriots and if you have the Seahawks defense Ooh. they're already kind of hitting the skids their secondary is not what it used to be they get the Rams. Uh, a good matchup right. that week is the Lions defense, I think is pretty widely available. They get the Bears. Yay. Right, and one more I'd throw out there, especially with how in flux the offense is there. They just fired their offensive coordinator. They made their th- second quarterback change of the year, the Broncos. Yep. They got the Jets, Colts, and Redskins coming up. Several of those defenses probably available on your waiver wire. Yep. Um, yeah, week 16, the, the Redskins defense is, is a good play, especially if you have uh, the Falcons, I think they're playing the Saints in Week 16. Let me flip that one around on you uh, there, Scott. So in terms of the Broncos, a, a key name to keep an eye on this week to see if he pans out, Paxton Lynch. Broncos go with the quarterback change. They have established wide receivers. We know Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders can play, can put up fantasy points. During the, fa- during the fantasy playoffs, Weeks 15 and 16, Paxton Lynch is going to get the Colts and the Redskins, who happen to be the two most accommodating defenses in terms of def- uh, points allowed per game. So if you want a high-risk, high-reward guy, and you can probably get him real cheap this week, get in on Paxton Lynch now, stash him on your bench, cut some of that dead weight Des was talking about, and, hey, maybe it pays off. If he has two or three good games, that's a really good option during the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad idea either, and I think it, it all depends on kind of, like I said earlier, where you are in the standings, where you are in the pecking order. Um, if you're fighting to, if you need to win two out of three just to get in, into the playoffs, I might take a chance on somebody else who will help you that you're pretty sure might help you this week. Uh, then roll the dice on Paxton Lynch, who, for all we know, could be the next Nathan Peterman. I know he has a little bit <laughs> oh, more strike your prior mouth. experience. Yeah, no, but he, uh, he hasn't been able to get on the field yet, so that's not a good sign for him. But he does have good mobility, which mm-hmm. you always like to see in, in a fantasy quarterback. But, yeah, there's a lot to be said for, for even picking out good matchups for quarterbacks, especially when your guy has a tough one. I mean, in Week 14, Russell Wilson is at Jacksonville. I mean, Russell Wilson's been fantastic, but at Jacksonville, that's about the toughest yeah. assignment a quarterback yeah. can have. If you're scared of that, 
Uh, you could, you maybe go with Tyra Taylor. As we mentioned, the Bills are, are playing the Colts. Colts are very accommodating defense. And I'm going to throw this name out. Don't call me crazy. But if Blaine <laughs> Gabbert looks good again, and granted he played the Texans last week and anyone looks good at him, he gets the Titans in week 14. You know, it's not inconceivable. I am, I am not necessarily telling you to bench Russell Wilson for Blaine Gabbert, but I'm saying if you're scared of the Jacksonville uh, matchup, you know, he's a streaming option. Also in week 14, Ben Roethlisberger. I'm moving on quickly before Mike just loses his <laughs> mind. I'm giving before he calls you crazy because you're a little bit crazy. But, but I had yes. written down Blake Bortles in week 15 against the Texans. Exactly. Is I, that is another option. Right. Exactly. Same page. Right. In week, yeah, in week 15, Russell Wilson, again, has a, has a not very good matchup. He's playing the Rams. Yeah. You know, maybe you roll the dice again. If Blake Bortles, he hasn't been a complete disaster this season. He hasn't been good. But he does get the Texans, who are super-duper accommodating quarterbacks. So, yeah, right. that's, that's a streaming option. Week 16, I'll just throw out one more. Bad matchup. Kirk Cousins gets the Broncos defense. You know, we've seen the Broncos not be exactly what they were, but they still have excellent cornerback play. If Jared Goff is out there, the Rams play the Titans. They've been very good for quarterbacks. And whoever's playing quarterback for the Vikings, whether it's Case Keenum or Teddy Bridgewater, they get the Packers that week. I'm not going to call you crazy, Des, but I am thinking <laughs> of synonyms. Stock watch. Stock watch. We're looking up. We're looking down. It must be time for Stockwatch. Des, a little Fitzmagic to get us started. Let's do it. Yes. Uh, Fitzmagic, uh, a.k.a. Ryan Fitzpatrick. For he has a real name, yeah. For anybody who's <laughs> somehow not aware of what we're talking about, in which case, I'm not sure why you ever listen to this podcast, but we thank you very much for doing so. <laughs> Leave a review. Yes, please do. Uh, yeah, exactly. Five stars for explaining who Ryan Fitzpatrick is. <laughs> he went uh, to Harvard. You know, the stock isn't... It's not, it's stock up mainly because he might just finish out the season for the Bucks. I mean, this uh, shoulder injury for Jameis Winston is lingering. He's definitely been ruled out for Week 12. You know, and the Bucks, they're at 4-6, and six, and this is after winning a couple games. I mean, they were 2-6 and six a couple weeks ago. Their season really looks like it's kind of a lost cause at this point. Another loss or two really, like, eliminates playoff contention for them. So I wouldn't know. I don't know if they'd really have any good reason to bring Jameis Winston back, even if his shoulder yeah. shows signs of improvement. You know, in the meantime, Fitzpatrick has always been a guy. You don't want him for the long term, but he's capable of coming in and lighting things up on a, on a sort of a temporary basis. We saw what he did last week against the Dolphins, 275 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He's got some mobility. Now they play the Falcons, who just got roasted by, by Russell Wilson. You know, in, in two and a half games, basically, since taking over from uh, the injured uh, Jameis Winston, Fitzpatrick has seven touchdowns against three interceptions. So he's taking reasonably good care of the ball, you know, and, and I just think, you know, he's, if, you, if you're desperate at quarterback, and, or we just talked about playing the matchups, like yep. he's a guy you can play the matchups with, certainly this week, if, if you have other issues at quarterback. One correlating stock down off this, though, Cameron Braid has totally disappeared since Fitzpatrick took over. I, I'm a yes. little worried about him going he's, forward. He's fallen off the map. But the other thing, and the other thing about Fitzpatrick is the Bucks have just apparently lost all ability to run the ball. Yeah. I mean, yep. I wasn't, you know, st I could do stock down on Doug Martin for sure. Oh, like, man. oh my God, 19 carries for 38 yards last week. Total disaster. So if the yeah. team can't run the ball, and they have guys like Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans, and in, th in theory, Cameron Braid, OJ Howard got a few looks. So there are weapons out there. Uh, let's move on to LaShawn McCoy. I just mentioned him uh, in the previous segment. Looked really good last week against the Chargers, despite the, the awfulness of, of Nathan <laughs> Peterman. He actually scored a touchdown in the first half of that game, ripped, up, ripped, ripped off a couple of big uh, yardage plays, finished with 114 yards and only 13 carries, scored two touchdowns, including a receiving touchdown. You like to see that. And this is after two down weeks. Now, obviously... It's not news that LaShawn McCoy is good at football, but he looked pretty poor the previous two weeks. And then with this whole Peterman business, you know, you, you weren't sure where the offense yeah. was going to be. But now that they've reinstalled Tyrod Taylor and running quarterbacks tend to give a boost to their running backs anyway. 
you know, I think I think things are looking up for McCoy. Also, it helps that they get the Chiefs this week. Uh, in four of the past five games, the Kansas City has given up a lot of fantasy points to running backs from the Steelers, Raiders, Broncos, and Giants. So, you know, yeah. I think there's good reason to think McCoy can have a pretty good week here. Yeah, right. they gave up a lot to Orleans Darkwa last week. He My was, guy, he, Orleans Darkwa. Yep, very Absolutely. usable. It's, and then <coughs> Saint Darkwa. <laughs> <laughs> I like this pick, though, Des, especially looking ahead. I mean, talking about the stretch run. After the Chiefs, uh, the Bills get Indianapolis, Miami, New England, and then Miami again. Very favorable schedule for McCoy. Uh, yeah, I mean that was one. Of the, that was what was so infuriating about the benching of Tyrod Taylor to begin with. Because yeah. the Bills were in the playoffs. <laughs> they were in the playoffs, and then you know for for our own selfish reasons, the Bills' schedule the rest of the way is fantastic. Like so just okay. leave them in there. So Let us okay. take advantage of it. All right. So if you got McCoy, you're definitely going to keep riding him for the rest of the season. Dak Prescott, though, a lot of teams going to be starting yeah. him, and doesn't look too good lately. No, uh, his his stock is down, and you know. I wouldn't be the first to point out that some of this has to do with the uh, loss of Tyron Smith, yep. our star left tackle, who's been back to practicing this week. If he gets back on the field, that will obviously be a huge boost to Dak Prescott. Uh, but at the same time, they're playing the Chargers, who have an excellent uh, pass rush You know, with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. They can defend on the back end. Casey Hayward's an excellent cornerback. So they're a bit of a tough matchup regardless, even if Smith is on the field. And then you look at what Prescott has done recently, kind of fallen back to earth. Yeah, not much. You yeah. know, and it was so impressive the way he was playing earlier in the season and just picking right up from his rookie season where I'd said earlier, like, I don't think he can play better than he did as a rookie. He was so efficient, and he just went right back to it. But we've seen it fall off in recent weeks, especially last week against the Eagles. I mean, it was a bit of a disaster. He only had 145 yards passing and three interceptions. And But if that was just one time, you might say, okay, well, that, that can happen. But, you know, in three of the past four games now, he's thrown for less than 180 uh, yards with zero touchdowns. So it's a bit of a trend for him. You know, the weapons aren't great out there. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say until further notice, stock down on Dak Prescott. Yeah, I, I think they're going to really have to run the ball effectively against the Chargers. Cause yeah. If they get into some of these third and long situations, I mean, Bose is just going to tee off on him. I, I think it's going to be a long day on Thanksgiving for the I Cowboys. Th I think you're right. And one interesting thing that Prescott said this week, and this might lead into a, a small tick up, stock up for Cole Beasley, in that he said he's got to do a better job with or without Tyron Smith of taking the underneath passes. You yeah. know, looking too often deep for Des Bryant and Terrence Williams. Uh, possibly a little bump up for Cole Beasley if he's actually able to do that. Um, he probably won't have a lot of time against the Chargers. All right, so uh, we talked about the Chargers' impressive defense. No defense more impressive than the Jaguars, which means probably bad things for their opponents going forward, Des. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, and the Jaguars, as, as we've noticed, noted a few times, have been just murder on pa opposing passing attacks. But, you know, for the first half of the season, they were a team that you could run against. But that has not been the case lately. Uh, they haven't allowed more than 69 yards on the ground since week six and just allowed one rushing touchdown in that span. Um, and they traded, and they actually improved since then. They traded for Marcel Darius from the Bills, another fantastic personnel yeah. move from the Bills, who since then have been lousy against uh, the running game, and the Jags have been so much better. Funny how that works. It really, I mean, he's just he's shored up the interior of that defense. Uh, you know, they also have Malik Jackson back there, who's an excellent uh, defensive tackle. Uh, a couple other players have really stepped up their game. But basically, they're, they're holding uh, opponents since they got to Marcel Darius about 55 rushing yards per game. And that before then, they'd have been allowing an average of 138.5. So now there's, like, nothing you can do against the Jags. You used to be able to, yeah. you know, limit the pass and run the ball. Not so much. So that's bad news for Adrian Peterson this week. Uh, then after that, the uh, Jaguars play the Colts, Seahawks, who, you know, can't run the ball anyway, Texans, 49ers. So I'm just saying, like, now they've become an all-around, like, rough defense for, for opponents. 
The Seahawks had a running back injury this past week. It ruled him out for the rest of the year. I literally had never heard of his name before. Mike like, Davis? Mike Davis. Mike former Davis. 49er Mike Davis? Like, former Indiana coach? They're just pulling guys <laughs> out of too. every conceivable corner of the NFL universe right now, and they are all bad. So uh, with that, let's move on to value picks. Value picks. Scott, why don't you get us started? I, I noticed we are paying a ton of attention to the Dallas Cowboys this week. We are. This podcast is going to be irrelevant after Thanksgiving, right? The Thursday <laughs> matchup for the Cowboys. Um, we talked about stock down for Dak Prescott. I think the Cowboys offense could struggle, but I like Alfred Morris this week as a value pick. Um, 4.8 yards and 5.4 yards per carry in his last two games, and the Cowboys playing from behind. Uh, in both of those matchups, I think they have a chance at home on a short week to, to get ahead. I think they're going to try to take some of the pressure uh, off of Dak Prescott and, and win this game on the ground. Um, and it's clear, I think, from the past two weeks that he is the better option among, I mean, Darren McFadden has been not involved at all, but yeah. he, was, he was the guy last week, not Rod Smith. I would start Alfred Morris with confidence this week. Yeah, it certainly seems like he's going to be the guy. And it, Tyron Smith is back, as Des alluded to earlier. I think that will be a big, big step in the right direction for the Dallas offense, uh, particularly it'll, the running game. Yeah, it'll, it'll depend on game flow. I mean, I think I mean Rod Smith has had more snaps than Alfred Morris in both the past two weeks, and yeah. he's clearly more involved in the passing game. So if the Cowboys fall behind in this game, and you know the, the Chargers are just there's such a range of possibilities. I feel like they're one of those teams like you don't you have no clue what Absolutely. Chargers team you're going to get from week to week. And how how often has that been the case under Philip Rivers? Like that whole era, like has always been this up or down, like hit or miss, like. Right. You never know so what you're gonna get. if you get good Chargers and they jump out to a lead, <laughs> then it, it could be bad news for Alfred Morris. But yeah, he, sh- you know, the, the, you know, the Cowboys would love nothing more than just to pound him repeatedly at, at that, at that again at that good pass rush. So it's one of the ways to limit a pass rush is to uh, be able to run the ball effectively. All right. So we know for a fact that the Colts are not good at defending the pass. Does th- that plays heavily into your selection? I suspect. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, first of all. I want to go back to last week, my value pick, because I want to give myself a half credit for picking Jermaine Gresham against the Texans. I was totally correct that a Cardinals <laughs> tight end would have a huge game, uh, but it was Ricky Seals-Jones. You didn't pick Ricky Seals-Jones? I did not, somehow I, I overlooked Ricky Seals-Jones. What is wrong was, with you? When I was evaluating a, the matchups last week. would have been week. a more outlandish pick than D.D. <laughs> Westbrook if you had. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Your guy, D.D. Westbrook. Yeah, some, I have no, you know, Ricky Seals-Jones came out of nowhere. I don't know. He's not my value pick this week. <laughs> I'm going with Corey Davis uh, uh, because yeah. he's, he's, he's due for a breakout, I feel like. In three games since he, he came back from hamstring issues, he was out for several weeks. He's had just nine catches for 103 yards and no touchdowns. That's in the three games total. But he's also gotten 22 targets in that span. He's gotten about as many snaps as Rashard Matthews. In, in other words, he's leading the team pretty much in, in snaps, many more than Eric Decker we've talked about is pretty much droppable. And those three games where he kind of struggled, I mean, they were against the AFC North gauntlet of good pass defense, the Ravens, Bengals, and Steelers. That's about as rough a stretch as you can have. Yeah. You know, now he, get, yeah, he gets the Colts, who are really generous to opposing defenses at home, no less. I like me some Corey Davis this week. I think this is where he really re- reasserts himself on the NFL stage. Yeah, I'll give a shout-out to uh, Scott Allen, favorite D.D. Westbrook for this week as well. From the school of anyone not being guarded by Patrick Peterson, D.D. Westbrook could have a pretty big game, maybe not 200 yards big. Yes, but as he proclaimed yes, last <laughs> <week>. <laughs> Modestly. Uh, <laughs> I think he, he could have a decent game. If he's a cheap DFS play, definitely give him a fl- take a flyer on him there. All right, my value pick for this week, Latavius Murray against the Lions. Murray's got four touchdowns in his last four games. And the Lions have really suffered against the run lately. After they lost Haloti Nada, 
153.8 rushing yards allowed the last five games. Seems like a very fertile game for Latavius Murray. Yeah, I think it's another game flow situation. If the Vikings fall behind, you'll see a lot more Jarek McKinnon. If the, if the Vikings can impose their will and maintain a lead, you'll you definitely see a lot of Latavius Murray, who clearly is the man around the goal line, right. has been getting more work, and actually has been more efficient running the ball, which is a bit of a surprise than, Murray, Jer- than Jarek McKinnon. Latavius Murray and efficiency yeah. have never really gone together. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, going back to the Raiders. But yeah, I think he's a nice play. I'm in a league where I own McKinnon and Murray. Well, bully on you. And well, I'm just, I'm probably going to play both of them. What that's what I would say. <laughs> I'm going to put one in my flex spot because my my other running back choices include Doug Martin, who's pl- who's just awful these days. No muscle on that hand. Can't be trusted whatsoever. Uh, and Joe Mixon, who's also can't yeah. be trusted whatsoever. You know, and, and the idea would be like, I think either McKinnon or Murray will have a big game, and I don't want to miss out on it. And I'm willing to take like a lower score from the other guy if right. I'm going to get a hugeness from one of them. So. Or just hope for a Thanksgiving shootout in Detroit. Yeah, or just hope that they both. W- yeah. I mean, it's not, certainly not inconceivable that they both could go off. So yeah, I, I think Murray's a good call there. Very bold. I like it. Fire beware. 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 All right, Des. Beware. We have to have at least one turkey pun this show, so who are going to be your Thanksgiving week turkeys? Ooh, yeah. We're going to go cold turkey here. Uh, I, I'm not going out on too far of, of a uh, Thanksgiving limb. That, that's not a thing. No. But, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> just try, <laughs> Too far out on a drumstick. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Just trying to keep the theme going here. Uh, I'm, I'm highlighting Larry Fitzgerald, and I, I probably don't need to tell people, like, uh, you know, he's, he's got a tough task against the Jaguars. It's, it's more just to point out that Larry Fitzgerald has been fantastic this season, though. He really has. He's the wide receiver four overall in, in PPR formats. He's had at least five catches in seven of ten games, at least 70 yards in six games, including four of the past five. Like, he has been about as reliable a commodity as you can find in fantasy. And I think, you know, go, coming into the season, I think there were some, definitely some questions about that. So, you know, he's a guy that you could start with confidence. This week, eh, maybe not so much. The Jaguars are ranked number one by football outsiders against number one wide receivers, and by a lot. And the number two team is the Ravens, and we know that they've been stout against opposing passes, uh, passing offenses as well. But the Jaguars are really a tough assignment. If, if Larry Fitzgerald has a good game this week, I move that we should just put him into the Hall of Fame by acclamation. Just Let's all just stand up, hand him the yellow blazer on the field. Right, and we, we mentioned Blaine Gabbert before. I mean, this, this, yeah. this exactly. is... Exactly. He had yep. a nice game last week, but again, it, it, was, it was against... He goes from the easiest possible matchup against the Texans to the worst possible matchup uh, against the Jaguars. So we'll see what he's made of this week. Scott, who are you fading this week? I am also going with a wide receiver, a guy who has not been fantastic this season and does not have Hall of Fame credentials at this point in his career. A turkey more weeks than not. Amari Cooper, tough Mm. matchup against Mm. the Broncos. He had a late touchdown last week in that blowout loss to the Patriots to salvage another otherwise forgettable week. You know, outside of that resurgence, that one-game resurgence against the Chiefs where he just went off, he scored his fantasy point quota for the year, I guess, with 210 yards and two touchdowns. He's done almost nothing. Uh, Cooper's been a disappointment. The Broncos have allowed the fifth fewest fantasy points to wide receivers this year. Um, I really don't like Michael Crabtree any better in this matchup. I would shy away from both, but uh, buyer beware, Amari Cooper. Yeah, he's been ever since he had that one huge game, and a lot, yeah. you know, the narrative was, oh, he's back, but no, not back. It's just been a, a kind of a lost season for him. Yeah, you, you kind of got to wonder what's going on with the Raiders' offense as a whole. A lot of people thought this was going to be a point bonanza all season long. Really has not taken off whatsoever. No, but they fired their defensive coordinator, so that should help. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> all right, well, apparently I'm going to be focused a lot on the Lions and Vikings game. Uh, Amir Abdullah is my buyer beware, and this is more from a long-term perspective. We know playing against the Vikings, that's probably not going to be a good pick, and Abdullah has just not been that good. 
but he actually has put up some decent fantasy point totals the past couple of weeks. But in that time, he's been totally touchdown dependent. He's, he's averaged over 2.5 yards per carry just once in the last four weeks. That is abysmal. Now, he has only 17 receptions on the season, so he's not a PPR guy. That said, with those recent fantasy upticks in scoring, you might be able to get something for him. So I'd put him out on the market. If your trade deadline hasn't passed already, try and get something in return for him while you can because he is a totally touchdown dependent I can't even say plotter because he doesn't even plot. He doesn't go anywhere. He's a statue. They hand him the ball and he falls over. Get rid of him. I fade him this week. I fade him every week going forward. What to watch for. All right, we're back to a 16-game schedule, so plenty of football to keep an eye on this weekend. Scott, what are you starting with? Well, I, for one, am thankful that the Redskins and Giants play on Thursday. I'll get my writing responsibilities out of the way. And for once, I will sit on the couch and watch Red Zone Channel along with the rest of you degenerates while uh, eating Thanksgiving leftovers. And the game I'll be focusing on is Rams versus Saints, not Mm -hmm. only because it's a matchup of two seven-plus win teams, but for me, this is Sammy Watkins' last stand. Robert Woods, who's been fantastic this year, out for at least two weeks with a shoulder injury. Someone's got to step up in his absence. And Cooper Cup, I don't think, can do it all by himself. Sammy Watkins, he's been targeted more than five times in only one game this season. Um, ESPN notes that he's caught only 63% of his targets, which is not good. No. Um, I think his targets stand to go up this week. I think, you know, if Woods' injury keeps him out into the fantasy playoffs, Watkins could be a guy who's available on waivers or certainly available for cheap. Um, I'm watching how that Rams offense performs without Robert Woods. Yeah, the Woods injury could be very big for Sammy Watkins. It's been a huge disappointment, uh, but the main reason is because he, he just hasn't been a big part of that offense. Yeah. You know, I think there's still a chance that if they've been using them, him all this time to be a decoy and to kind of siphon away the best cornerback for the other team, they'll still do that You know, in Cooper Cup, and somebody else will, be, will still be the beneficiaries. I mean, it just seems like Jared Goff doesn't really like to throw the kind of uh, routes that he li- that they have Sammy Watkins running. I mean, you know, I think th- I, th- well, I think there's a systematic thing here, but at the same time, yeah, Woods going down could easily uh, encourage the Rams to make more of a point of, of getting the ball to Watkins. You know, you mentioned uh, the Redskins Giants game. That's what I'll be watching this week uh, tomorrow, partly because I think that'll be the game I'll be able to watch the most of. Um, we're going to a couple of different events on Thanksgiving. One of Schmoozing. which, yeah, nice. well, well, you know, you have multiple families, you gotta make the rounds. And uh, earlier in the day, I'm not sure if there's even going to be a, a TV where I'm going, so I'll be looking at my where phone. Where are you I guess. going without a TV? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, some people are like that. Um, so, but I, obviously, there are some storylines that are really interesting as far as the Redskins offense is concerned namely Samaj P. Ryan. Yeah, or what's left of the Redskins offense, Yeah, I mean, they're dropping like flies over there. Not, yeah, and their offensive line is, is always a major concern. Now they lost their center. They may, only, they may not even have their backup center. Right. It's a disaster Ow. over there. Yeah, so, you know, and, and this against the Giants front four that, you know, can do some damage with, with JPP and, and Olivier Vernon and Damon Harrison. So we'll see how they hold up. But I am inter- interested to see if P. Ryan had a really good game last week against the Saints. Can he keep it up? Uh, Byron Marshall is he a thing? You know, in the, in the absence of Chris Thompson, <laughs> he's a thing. Is he? How did that happen? <laughs> they picked him up on the off the off the practice squad, right? And then he, he was all of a sudden he could be their most uh, important offensive player. If you think about the role Chris Thompson played for that team, you know, yeah. if Byron Marshall is playing yeah. that role, that's a big role. The Redskins are going to have two running backs off practice squads that will be dressing for this game. That's not yeah. good. Not yeah. good. No, it's not great. Uh, I'm also interested in Do- Josh Doxson. He's been a, he's definitely been on an upward trajectory. Can he keep it up? 
Jordan Reed once again missing, and this is a fantastic matchup. God, as a Jordan oh, Ro- Reed owner in at least one league, I'm so annoyed that he's missing this league. But all Vernon Davis owners yeah. have to be licking their chops. It's, yeah. it's an excellent matchup. So. Get Vernon Davis in there for sure. Exactly. But yeah, I'm most interested in just seeing how P. Ryan performs and how By- what they do with Byron Marshall or how they address that. You know, Scott had mentioned on the Sunday podcast maybe Jameson Crowder gets a big role. So you know, that's something to look for. Yeah, in terms of talking about guys who can fill Chris Thompson's role, obviously Jameson Crowder not going to line up in the backfield, or at least I wouldn't think, but he can do some of the things that Chris Thompson did in the screen game. You're talking bubble screen instead of the the running back screen, but still, I think the Redskins like to utilize those short passes with their linemen that can, their linemen that are still healthy that can get (laughs) out and block. So I think you could maybe see a little bit of an uptick in Crowder's performance. So as of this recording on Wednesday afternoon, the 49ers had not decided if they're going to start Jimmy Garoppolo or not. So a little token nod there, keep an eye there, because that is going to be a developing situation. And you're going to want to know if, if they have a new center, a new quarterback in San Francisco. But I'm going to be watching the Cowboys game because we've talked about it the rest of this podcast, so may as well just keep on right, right with it. But I'm going to be watching for a unique reason, and that's the absence of Sean Lee. So this, the Cowboys— Wait, the, th- th- that's hardly unique. <laughs> sure, well, yeah, that's, he's out every year. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> Points taken. That said— the Cowboys' defense, with and without him, is an entirely different proposition. So if you are going to be owning fantasy players playing against this Cowboys' defense, as long as Sean Lee's not in there, it is very, very good. Uh, Mike Sando tweeted out some numbers, and they are very, very stark. So without Sean Lee, they have allowed 15 touchdowns. With him on the field, they've allowed 10. They have only gotten six sacks when he's not on the field, 22 when he is, five interceptions with Sean Lee, none without. This is a very, very, very different unit without Sean Lee, and the Cowboys' opponents can take advantage of the stretch, and fantasy owners can too. Well, that could be bad news for Alfred Morris then. If, if we see the yeah. good Chargers offense this week, then maybe uh, Scott's not I was going to say, it would have been nice if you'd done this before the value <laughs> pick, or I should revise yeah. mine, because it sounds like the Chargers are going to score more than the 54 that they put up last week on the Bills. Yeah, sorry about that, Scott. Well, I didn't mean to slow play that. I don't necessarily see Dak throwing five interceptions <laughs> you know, all in both halves, let alone the first half, but you know, stranger things have happened, I guess. All right, well, a few more thank yous to end here. Thanks to Jess Stahl, Carol Alderman, and Ted Muldoon for getting us set up and getting the show off the ground. Big thanks to Brooks Millgate for our truly awesome theme music. And thanks again to everyone listening. Please keep leaving those reviews. Check out our fantasy content on thewashingtonpost.com. And always give us a shout-out on Twitter. I'm at Mikey and Post. I'm at Des Beeler. And I'm at Scott S. Allen. See ya! See ya!